0: Welcome all of those who are joining us live, online, and via the internet. Go ahead and make them, make sure they can hear you. And then our greatest, one of our greatest celebrations so far is that we get to uh, stream our services into the Eunice Correctional Facility every week, so would you please make sure that our brothers and sisters in Christ there understand that we love them, and that's not just something that we say. We are truly honored to be a part of your lives, and we would love to meet you as God heals you and restores you. I do want to celebrate just a few things. I just think it's necessary. It's not something that I, I posted on on social media so that everybody could know how good we were doing or, or how good we're not doing or whatever it is, But but man, this past weekend, Easter celebration it's the super bowl of Sundays for all churches okay it's when when everyone comes i really believe that easter has a large crowd for two main reasons I, I, the, the, the two main reasons number one is that pastors are always like man if we could just get everybody to come to church at the same time we would have a great church. And when we were in youth ministry, we were like, man, if all these kids would just come on the same Wednesday. We would have a huge group, okay? That happens on Easter. So that's cool. That's fun. It's great to see everybody at the same time. You know, it's not a four out of six Sundays or a, a seven out of 10 Sundays. It's the Sunday. Everybody comes. And then another big reason is that You have a lot of people that visit from out of town you know you got family and friends that are in and like hey it's just kind of the thing that you're supposed to do specifically in the south you're supposed to be in church on easter but then a final reason that wasn't included i don't think in the main two is all of the invites all of the invites that come alive on that sunday The invitation that you've been sharing, the stories that you've been telling, the people that you've been praying for, that Sunday, Easter Sunday, the invites come to life. They come and they sit in those chairs that we've been praying would be filled. And they come and they experience the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And something happens in their heart where their soul begins to be filled. And every week we still pray, Father, fill the seat and fill the soul that sits in it. What an incredible celebration that I believe, I don't know, maybe not for the first time, I'll be corrected later, but I believe, as far as to my knowledge, for the first time, this church had over 600 people between three services come (laughs) on Easter, not just to attend church, but to be a part of a worship service and an atmosphere that surpasses all human understanding and offers the peace of God and then the message of the gospel, that Jesus gave His life so that you could have it. Followed up by that, our staff and our teams are absolutely spent right now But followed up by that was a marriage conference this weekend where we had close to 150 people in the building serving, doing, attending, being a part of developing their lives by serving one another as Jesus did his bride, the church. 150 people this weekend at a marriage conference. And I really believe that not only hearts and homes have been changed but even and especially the babies that were back here being taken care of I believe one day in heaven they're going to come back to all of those workers and all of those serve team dream team members that worked so hard to set the thing up and prepare the tables and fix the food and do everything they're going to come up to you in the kingdom of God when knowledge comes to the fullest and they're going to say it was because of the marriage conference in April of 2018 that my parents came home and they were different for the rest of my life. And because of what you set up and how you work and the fact that you held me and changed my diaper in the very back, my mama and daddy were able to hear a message that they needed to hear that healed our house and ultimately led to me giving my heart to God. And look at all these people that are following me to following Jesus because you changed my diaper. That's what it is truly all about so at the end of the month we're going to do serve day (laughs) so if you know somebody that that needs to uh needs to have their yard cleaned or a room painted or the outside of their their boards painted or anything that we can do I can't say that we can do everything but we're going to get a list together we'll prioritize that we've already talked to a couple of the schools We're going to go in there and and fix some things that they've been staring at, that they they want to have time for. We're just going to go do it. We're going to buy it. We're going to get teams together, and we're going to go get it done and say that we don't want anything in return. We just want you to know that this church isn't just here to have service. This church is here to serve this community and make it better. So we want you to sign up for that. We are excited about that. At the beginning of the year, God laid on our heart, and we shared... um, Amongst the, in the business meeting, and, and the board and I had, had discussed, we shared that we were going to invest a significant, significant amount into our community this year, financially, uh, into our community. And I would just like to let you know that there's a new park I'm sorry, a new playground going up in, Central, in Circle Park, right in the middle of the city, and because you give of your time, talent and treasure. We were able to write that check and take it to the mayor's office and says, New Hope wants to buy that playground for those babies and the people that come to this park. That's because of you. That's because of you and your generosity that we're able to do and to serve. I emailed a, uh, I emailed a picture um, of my email do you have that picture? That, no, not that one, the one before it. Did you get the other one by chance? Okay, well, that one's just as good. This is our series picture. I had another one that I, I emailed in. Man, we just, we have all, all of our teams have been serving so hard this weekend that we were just like doing things at the last minute, trying to make sure they got done. But I, I took a picture on my phone. My wife always messes with me. She loses socks, okay, but but I keep my, I I keep more emails unopened than she would ever even consider. If she looks at my phone, it drives her nuts. I started deleting them this morning. I had 199 emails that I just needed to filter through. That I've spent a couple of weeks, I'll be honest. I try to catch the most important ones, and the rest of them are like, well, hopefully that was. I'll get back to it in Jesus' name. So but I've got 199 emails. I, I deleted it, I dwindled it down to, I think, was this like 50 something now? Yeah, I'm going to work on that again this afternoon and, uh, and write a paper and do those things. I'll catch up. So listen, the moral of that story is if you need me, you better email Miss Debbie. <laughs> Info at EuniceChurch.com. <laughs> because Chris at EuniceChurch.com is, is, is a little cluttered. I'm going to try to fix that. But here's what happens so often. If we're not careful, we get so bogged down by all the invitations, by all the opportunities by all of the the things that we feel like we need to get done. That if we're not careful, we forget the one most important invitation of all. As we went into this month in April, I was like, we're just going to call this Invite April. That was just an idea. I just kind of spitballed it right there in the the room. I said, we're just going to invite April. And and our staff was like, "Who, who is April? Who?" Who is And I was well April is, is a month, obviously. do you not know that we're in it right now? And so but, but in April is going to represent uh, a few different a few different people. April for this month is going to represent um, our neighbor. Uh, April is going to represent we, we said this in our Win your world. And by the way, Win your world is not a series. It shouldn't just be a series that we went through and that we move on from. Winning our world should be the burden of our heart. It shouldn't just end because we move to a new series. It should continue to linger inside of us. And because Jesus won us, we can win our world. We're going to take it even a step further this month and make it a little bit more specific that April represents our neighbor. April represents our, our co-worker or, or our class our classmate. Maybe April represents our our waitress or our, our waiter, our friend or our family member. Maybe April represents the person that none of us have met yet. But our vision here is to meet people and grow closer to God together. And so we're praying for God to strategically put that person in our path Over this month, So that we can tell her or him the stories of what God is doing in New Hope and in this community. And invite them to come and be a part. April represents the person that is sitting at home right now wondering if anybody cares. And I know I am talking to a room full of people that care. But I'm saying in this, this month, we're not just going to say that we care. We're going to show that we care. And we're gonna make take advantage of the opportunity. Anyone, anyone without it, now listen, this is my disclaimer. Live on Facebook, so that I don't get accused of this anyways. I will, but I'm not. If they already have a church home, leave them alone unless they're not getting fed, and then you can ask them to come. Okay, but if they already, if they are already plugged in somewhere, okay. We, we are not into only. This is not how we want to grow a church only. Now listen, if somebody's not being fed somewhere and they come here and we've got things going on that other churches don't and other churches have things going on, I just think that's friendly competition. I think it's healthy for everybody. I run faster when somebody's on my heels. So if anybody wants to rise up and, or, and, and people that do rise up, we look all over the nation. We're not satisfied with where we are. I, I, I pastor this church like I used to play baseball. When I stepped across the line, I wasn't taking anything back home. I just made a decision. I'm going to leave it all out here. When I decided to follow Jesus, I just decided that day, I'm not going to take anything home. I'm going to leave it all out here. And as I go, God's going to help me grow and win as many people as I can. And when I finally get home, I'll be able to rest. But in the meantime, I'm going to expend myself for the sake of this gospel that I believe that much in. April can represent anyone without a church home. So invite April. uh, Next month, we're going to do Mustache May. All the guys are going to grow mustaches and ask us about it. We're going to explain. Our pastor told us that. We're going to pray for them right there on the spot. So get ready for Mustache May. Don't do that. My wife won't let me just grow a mustache. Some people look great in them. Chucky, I don't. Not so much. I look like I should have pinstripes on whenever I just grow a mustache. Bob Goth author a book called Love Does, and the, the subtitle of this book is called An Incredible Life in an Ordinary World, called it Love Does, An Incredible Life in an Ordinary World. In this book, he tells this story of being in Washington, D.C., and late in the evening, he looked up at the Library of Congress, and he saw a bunch of vehicles just kind of randomly parked at the Library of Congress. So he tells his friend, you know, they do what any two young men would do as they're walking along the streets at night alone, and there's an awkward or a weird, suspicious scene. They go to the scene of the, the whatever's going on. They want to know what's going on. So they go over there, and well, they see a sign, and it's like National Treasure 2 all around, and, and there's these barricades, and they realize that they are filming the movie Right then, in the Library of Congress, so they get this wild idea to run back home and change their clothes. They put on some pants and like a, a shirt like they looked like they were part of the crew. They came back to the Library of Congress, and they just followed the signs. Don't do this, okay? This is not idea time, okay? This is a confession for Bob Goff and his story. He, he goes around the back of the building, and he finds the sign that says crew, and he walks in. They go down this corridor, and basically, they're following these signs that say, it says set arrow, set arrow, and they're walking down the hallway, and they're <laughs> just walking through this building, and they're both thinking, man, this is way too easy easy something it's like that movie where you just know something is about to happen and sure enough they round the corner and there's a security guard at a metal detector and he says hey what are you doing and then in that moment they both were just like we lost the crew <laughs> and he said where's your badge and they said we don't have one which was true, and he goes, you forgot your badge? And they went, <laughs> so he said, just go. And so he was on the phone with his girlfriend or something, according to Bob's testimony. So they just go through the metal detector, and they walk right into the middle of the Library of Congress, where there's millions of books, and it was hot because of all the lights, like it is in here sometimes, but it's not as bad, because Pastor John Help us fix all that. And, and they were filming, they were filming right in the middle of everything, Hollywood was in the Library of Congress, and they were only two standing in there. And they were like, whoa, this is amazing. We got in. Now, how do we get back out? And just as they were trying to figure out how to get out, Nicolas Cage came around the corner in his tuxedo with the other main actress in that movie. Not familiar enough. Don't try to tell me. I can't hear you from here. And so he and she come walking by, and they have, like, this entourage of people following them. And so those two guys are just like... (laughs) <laughs> they just get in line like they belong to the entourage. Man, they, they weave and pass back through all the stuff. And Nicolas Cage and the main actress, when they get out in the parking lot, they turn right to go to their trailer. And Bob Goff and his friend turn left and dive in the bushes. They go running back home and, and they tell this story. He tells this story in the book. And then he, he also tells this story about his, his children growing up in Washington, D.C., And every year around Easter, they have this huge Easter egg hunt on the lawn of the White House. And so he would get dressed up. He and his wife would dress up, and they would get their kids dressed up. And they would go hide eggs around the outside of the fence of the White House. And they would let their kids hunt Easter eggs. And you know how it is when your kids, even though there wasn't a lot of places to hide, if you found all the eggs really fast, you just thought you were better than those kids who were still taking their time to try to figure out where that egg was. So they would do this every year because he wanted his children to believe and feel like they were welcome. Now his heart was, I I wish that we didn't have to sneak in. I, I wish we could have just been invited And what I want to say, I want to use that as an illustration this morning, that if if we're not careful, we can do the same thing to the people that are not currently part of this church. We can make them think that before they come in here, they have to go home and dress a certain way. They have to go down the right ha- aisles, down the right hallway. They have to sit in the right chair. They have to get to the right place. And then all of a sudden, we, we, if we're not careful, we could turn the spotlight on over the top of them. And instead of being comfortable in the atmosphere, they begin to just become too warm and too overwhelmed because of all that's going on. They feel like they're in the spotlight and they're thinking, oh my Lord, if you're there, Help me get out of here. I don't want people to feel that way when they come to this church. In fact, I want to do just the opposite. I want to roll out the red carpet. I want them to understand that you don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. As long as you're not around kids, you don't even have to talk a certain way. We want to love you right where you are. And we want to help you follow Jesus into the next phase of your lives we should go out of our way to provide a way for others let me say that again we should go out of our way to provide a way for others disney world should not be more concerned for their guest than the church of jesus christ is for his corporate america should not be more interested in the consumer than the church of Jesus Christ is. The consumer mentality is not A a, a pawn of the enemy. The consumer mentality is a gift from heaven that all we have to do is make a few adjustments in our presentation and in our structure. We get to keep the same message, sing the same songs just in a different way, provide the same gospel to this generation as long as we're willing to lay down our preferences so that he can serve his purpose. God will do what only he can do and that's why we have dream teams that's why we have over a hundred volunteers serving in children's ministry this month that's why uh, over a hundred people last year came to the health fair and served in this sanctuary and we're going to have more this year at the end of the summer as we give out backpacks and school supplies and haircuts that's why already we have close to i believe 40 something people signed up at the end of april it's why people are willing to work and to serve. It's why teenagers were running around in here yesterday with a smile on their face, cleaning out buckets and taking out trash, because they understand that their purpose is bigger than them. We have people taking care of babies, playing with toddlers, teaching pre-K, my Lord. They have people playing with elementary age, and, and next gen has their own lesson. We have people at the check-in station just to make sure the babies are in safely, securely. Security in the back walking the halls because somebody thought it was a good idea to only have one bathroom way back there we have sound and media and parking lot team out in jackets in April we are skipping spring y'all we're just going straight winter, summer. We're just going to do this. We got guys in jackets waving and, and people holding signs. And, and then we've got more greeters right here at the door and ushers and altar workers. And it takes everybody to pray and to worship, and to take ownership. This is not the church that I go to. This is my church. I am the church. I'm part of the body. The invitation is alive, and it is alive in me. We believe that if we can affect their experience, then we can impact their eternity. If we can affect their experience, then we can make it more conducive for them to choose the Jesus that we say we are serving. When we affect their experience, when we roll out the red carpet, and they don't come in here and feel like they're under a spotlight. They come in here and feel like they have been welcomed into a home that they want to be a part of. This is the one invitation, Romans chapter 6 verse 4 in the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And also just as you're writing, if you're taking notes or turning in your Bibles, you can hold a spot in John chapter 1 because that's where we're going. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, For we died. Well, that sounds like a good invite. This is the invitation. For we died. Praise God. And we were buried with Christ. In baptism, that's why we believe in water baptism, by the way. We believe it's symbolic, spiritually symbolic. It's an it's an outward expression of an inward experience that you choose to be water baptized like we're going to have a service the day after serve day on April 29th and believe, Jesus, that it's going to be warm like it's supposed to be in April. If it's not, y'all, it's going to be cold, okay? We're going to do it outside anyways. Not really. But that you would be... You would be buried with Christ in baptism, completely submerged. Baptism just means completely submerged, engulfed in his desire for your life and no longer yours. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That's the invitation. The invitation is out with the old, in with the new. The invitation is to live on, to put your past where it belongs. We learn from our past, but we live in our present, and we look to the future. The invite is to bury our sin, our shame, our sorrow, our insignificance in the tomb with Jesus, but then to open it up on the other side and arise to walk in newness of life this is the invitation and this is why we pass these out today. The invitation is for you to go through next steps, to find a place to serve. Did you know that according to uh, Dr. Tom Rayner, the Unchurched next door, a great book uh, reference the unchurched the unchurched next door. just let that slap you around for just a second. They're right there. They're they're right there. You don't don't have to go to Africa, India, Asia. You don't have to go to the other side of the world. You can just go across the streets, what we talked about in the last series. You can just actually, you can probably, if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit when you go eat lunch, you can probably just go across the restaurant to that person that you haven't seen in a while or that person that may have been wondering or wishing that God would send somebody You may be, did you know that you may be the laborer that a family member is praying for? You may be the laborer that a mama has been praying would go to her prodigal son or daughter. You may be the laborer that the grandmother or grandfather has been begging God would go to his children's children. God, would you just send? I know they've heard me. I've talked till I was blue in the face and in my lungs. They're not listening to me. Lord, send one more and then they go to that restaurant with a spirit-filled believer sitting at a table and the word of God is laid upon that spirit-filled believer and then we're trying to figure out whether that's Jesus telling us to do that or not. Guys, listen, the devil don't want you to minister to anybody, okay? If you're sitting in a restaurant, it is the spirit of the Lord that has come upon you and said I want you to walk over there you're the laborer that daddy has been praying for you're the laborer that mama has been speaking about you are the one that I want to use to plant or water the seed well what if they reject it don't worry about it you are the planter and the waterer but my God is the Lord of the harvest and the harvest is up to him the unchurched next door Less than 5% of the church, according to this book, less than 5% of the church ever invites someone else to come with them in a given year. Less than 5% of the church. We had another statistic I shared with you last month, but over 90% of people who believe that if they did not receive Jesus, they would spend an eternity in hell. That's Christianity. We believe that that God sent his son so that we could receive Christ and not just have eternal life, but have life in abundance now. We believe that. And yet, over 90% statistically, over 90% of Bible believing, spirit filled Christians have never led someone else to Jesus. That's not a church, it's a social club. Did you know that seven out of ten non-church goers, seven out of ten non-church goers have never even been invited? Well, that doesn't happen here. Well, maybe the numbers are a little bit better here. But how many people does every percentage represent? And I told you a story about one of our best friends that's now a pastor in Fairhope, Alabama. Many of you have met him, but he grew up in Ravel, Louisiana, in the Bible Belt South, and nobody ever invested in him and brought him to the gospel until a pastor led him in his office. We've got to stop looking at pastors and teachers and leaders, evangelists, prophets, and apostles to do the work that the saints have been equipped as the body to complete. Seven out of ten people, unchurched people, have never been invited. Let me, let me give you a good, good statistic. Eighty-five percent of the people in this room, if I were to just pass around the microphone, I, I feel like this one's actually pretty, pretty close. Eighty-five percent of those who go to church, people who attend church, were invited by someone to come. I was in, many of you are here today because somebody invited you to come. We hold the invitation to the greatest experience in human history. It's higher than Mount Everest. It's wider than the Great Wall of China. It's deeper than the Grand Canyon. It's more powerful than Niagara Falls, and we hold it in our hands. The invitation we have to choose every day when we wake up is to live the life that God has called us to live or to let somebody else do it for us. To live the life that God has called us to live, or let the people that pass by us continue to go on and hope for the best. God's God's invitation is in the sunrise every morning. God's invitation is in it's in the smell of coffee. Thank you, Jesus. God, my Lord, y'all don't like the sunrise, we y'all like coffee. I got this good stuff. To write that down, make sure I say that again next service. God's invitation is, it's in the school bus. As it's passing, is saying, hey, get on. I'm about to take you to an unreached mission field. It's in the office. As people come in every day. God's invitation to live this life that he has called me to live is in that stupid bird sitting outside of my window every morning. Whatever that thing is, that is an invite to wake up and live the life of abundance that Jesus has purchased for you. It is the one single greatest invitation that mankind will ever know. But listen, if you don't open it, it just sits there. If you don't read it, you won't know what it says. If you don't forward it along, It'll just stay stuck with you. If you don't reply after you forward it along, then they'll think that you don't care because God doesn't just say to go. He says go and make disciples. He doesn't just say to invite. He says invite and then do your best to walk through life with this individual. We should be burdened. To never let the invitation die. It should be upon our hearts that the invitation to live the life that God has called us to live, the life of redemption and resurrection. The life of restoration, salvation, confidence in who we are in him. It is a life that we're not only invited to, but we hold the invitation for somebody else to be involved in. And we should never let the invitation die. We we should never grow weary in our laboring. Because we see from a bigger perspective. We should instead be steadfast stable, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord because we know in our heart of hearts that holding that baby is not laboring in vain, that opening that door is not laboring in vain, that having next steps after Easter, after the marriage conference is not laboring in vain, having a serve day between Easter, the marriage conference, and the women's banquet that's coming up in May and Mother's Day. and father's day and youth camp none of it is laboring in vain it's planting and watering and watching god do a miraculous harvest through his hand and his feet which are the church that he died for we never let the invitation die we never let it stop this is the invitation john chapter 1 All the way down to verse 43. John has already said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's already said that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus was the Word. And He was full of grace and truth. Don't get stuck on one or the other. Because that's what we do. We choose which one we want to operate in based on how we feel about the person that we want to tell it to. (laughs) Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm about to tell this brother the truth. (laughs) Oh, well, he just, he just, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, 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 look. Grace, mercy, unmerited, and truth. I love you enough to let you know What is damaging and destroying in your life? But I'm going to say it carefully. And that's what Jesus began to do. John chapter 1 verse 43. Can't drink with a top on. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He, say this with me, He found Philip. We're going to come back to that. I want to to read it one more time. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, thank you, and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Verse 45, Philip went to look for Nathanael. Philip went to look for Nathanael. He went and looked for him. And told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Eunice. <laughs> come on, y'all. Menden. That's above I-20. Can anything good come from me? Can anything good come from Eunice? Well, hang on. Come and see for yourself. That was their response. They didn't argue. They didn't debate. They didn't get offended. They said, Come and see. If that's how you feel, baby, just come see. I don't go that church, that bunch of tongue talking crazy. Pew, pew, jump. We don't even have pews. It's just chairs. <laughs> Kicking off their sh- If somebody takes off their shoes, it's just because it's too hot. It was us. Not outside. Hey, hey, look, look. Well, before you form a judgment that's based on somebody else's opinion or maybe even somebody's abuse or mistake in the past, why not you just come and see? You just come and see. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. He was just questioning whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. Jesus didn't make him go change clothes. Jesus didn't make him change his appearance. Jesus didn't even call out the fact. I mean, it could have been very easy. If I were Jesus, just in my nature, this is my nature, the way I would have been, if I'd have known... That he was just, just said, Eunice, New Hope, bunch of crazy pew jumping, dancing, shouting, screaming, clapping. They got that rock music blasting. Crazy people. And I know that that guy, I heard him in the parking lot because I can't hear spiritually. I had to hear physically. But Jesus heard spiritually. I heard him outside and he comes in. if I were Jesus, I'd be like, ah, I'd just, make, I'd slay him right there. Dink. How you like me now? <laughs> was that good? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus looked at the individual. Watch this. He didn't see where he was. He saw where he could be. He didn't see the product. He saw the potential in that person. He said, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Nathaniel's like, oh, how you know me? <laughs> How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree. See, when you just get them to Jesus, when you do the physical, Jesus will do the supernatural. He will do what only he can do. We've got to stop trying to do Jesus's job for him and just get people to him. That's another sermon for another day. I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, Jesus, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? Like, if you believe this because of that, (laughs) you will see greater things than this. If you believe it because of what you've already seen, you just sit back, buckle up, Because I've got way more than this that's about to come to pass. If you think Easter was cool, you just wait until you learn how to take the initiative on your own. And you watch the Holy Spirit use you to minister to somebody. You watch the Holy Spirit use you to bring about that tear of conviction or that repentance to change. If you think that was cool, you will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see all heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. The invitation to live for a greater purpose than you currently serve. Let me give you quickly some takeaways from this passage. I'm really concerned, some of you, because you looked at your watch. But look, verse, point one and two are found in the very first verse. Number one, Jesus found Philip. Well, you don't, I'm going to say this just for fun to keep your attention, you don't found somebody unless you were looking for them, okay? Okay? I, I've lost my wallet before. Ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Okay. So what I did when I lost it. Was I went and looked for it. Because that's what we do. Listen. When we believe that something is lost. We don't just pray about it. Oh Lord. If you be on the throne. Would you send somebody. To bring the wallet home. And I know. You start turning junk open. Look, you start accusing people unjustly. What'd you do with my wallet? I know it was you. Woman. I know You're trying to prove a point. I left my shoes out again, so you hide my wallet. I get it, okay? What'd you do with it? I didn't do nothing with your wallet. Liar! <laughs> Gabriel! <laughs> this is what we do. So? you do with my wallet? What's a wallet? <laughs> Listen, when, something, when we believe something's lost in every other area of life, we go look for it. That's what Jesus said. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he went out and looked for it. And then he said, there he is, Nathaniel. The son of Israel, you're why I came. I didn't just come to eat today. I didn't just come to work today. You are the reason that God has put me in this place. Jesus found Philip, which means he was looking for him. But then he invited Philip to be a part of the journey. He invited him. He found him. He was just like, Oh, cool. It'd be like, if you went and looked for your wallet, you're like, oh, there it is. Thanks, God. You just left it sitting there. Make sure nobody gets that for me. No, he found him, and then he invited him. Come on, be a part of the journey. In verse 45, point number three, Philip, he wasn't just like, like, I don't know, maybe some of us maybe even taught. It's just a churchy thing. I don't know. But Philip wasn't just like, oh, I found the Lord. I'm going to heaven. I have reserved my seat in eternity. It's all about me. So glad that God loved me enough to save me. Feel sorry for that poor soul. You're going to hell, bro. It stinks for you. No, No, Philip, he did something about it. Philip found, in verse 45 and 46, Philip found and invited Nathanael. He went and got him. He went and looked for him. You can't just hope that God does what he's given you the ability to do. It's not how it works. Number four, in verse 50 and 51. If you're our guests here today or if you're wondering whether he cares or maybe you you realize this morning that this thing is about more than you, I want you to understand that the invitation still remains, that Jesus is inviting you. Jesus' desire for you, it's not just a better life now, it's eternal life with him forever. But it's not just eternal life with him forever. Forever. It's that he has sent you here for such a time as this. He has put you in this community, in the surrounding areas, at your job, at your school, around the people that he has put in your path for a purpose. And the purpose is the invitation. It's a perspective bigger than you can currently live in. It's like when God invited Abraham to get out of the tent Quit staring at the ceiling and come see the stars. It's when he invited Elijah to go see Elisha. And Elisha was just plowing the ground, didn't understand his purpose. See, Your work and your job is not your meaning in life. It's your means to accomplish your meaning in life. Elisha had his hand on the plow and Elijah said, hey, I don't need you to plow the field anymore. I want you to come with me because there's a greater purpose inside of you. Jesus saw Peter and he said, I know you have done a great job as a fisherman, but I'm going to need you to get out of the comfort of your boat and your current position because I want to make you a fisher of men. Jesus knocked Paul off of his high horse. Knocked him off. I don't recommend high horses. That's not where Christians live. It's not where believers stay. But when you humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, God can use you as he began to use Paul. He put John in complete Seclusion on the Isle of Patmos. But when God, John got alone with Jesus, he received a revelation for all of eternity. He received a revelation for his situation when he got alone with Jesus. He received a revelation that was bigger than him, bolder than anything he could have thought of on his own. It redeemed him from his past. It redeemed him from his pain. It redeemed him from his persecution. When he got alone with Jesus, a new journey began in a way that he never could have imagined it being before. Greater things than this, Pastor Phillips said this weekend. I had written this on Thursday, and Pastor Phillips said probably seven times this weekend. The best is yet to come. I had picked this passage out on Thursday in my office to use as the invitation where Jesus said, the best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything yet. Greater things than this. I'm so glad and so thankful for all that have come and all that have gotten involved. But I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. My glory days are not behind me, they're ahead of me. The best is yet to come. What God wants to do in and through you, and in and through this church, still available. This is the invitation. Jesus said it. Come, follow me. That's all He said. Philip said it to Nathaniel: Hey, why don't you come and see for yourself? Come and see for yourself. Jesus, help us right now, whichever one of those categories we sit in. I pray that if there's anybody in the room, as we already prayed earlier, that right now, they would submit their hearts to you. That they would hear the invitation in their spirit and they would begin to receive it. If you're in the room right now and you need to ask forgiveness, If you haven't been following Jesus right where you are, you know that you need to receive. Salvation is for today, and it's for you. That's the invitation. Maybe you're in the room today, and you have asked Jesus into your heart before. But you've since drifted away, and you know that if you would had to stand before Him anytime soon, then you would have had to explain to Him why you haven't been living for Him. If either one of those are you and you would be like to be involved in a prayer that we're all going to pray, we're not going to embarrass you, a prayer that we're all going to pray, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Please, please include me in that prayer. Thank you. Anybody else? I know that I need to receive. Thank you. I see you for your honesty. Just be honest with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I see you. I need to receive Jesus today. hey church we're going we're gonna to pray in just a minute I've got four minutes if you have one of these envelopes and even if you don't look this way I want to thank them but I don't think that she needs it I'll ask her and then thank her and in sec- in them in second service but a couple in this church went and bought these envelopes for me and they printed these labels just on the front and they stuck them on every one of them it was at the last minute they just did it because we needed it done so that's you, you have this right there where you are. And I'll be honest, okay? One of the things that I love to see is when people come to church and they hear the message of the gospel and they receive salvation. And honestly, I love to see when everybody in the room is pretty content with where they are in Christ because I want you to have confidence in your security in Him as long as you're following Him. But the problem with that is is that That means that we all came to church today by ourselves. It means that maybe we could look a little harder. Maybe we could share a little more. Tell a few more stories. So right now, I just want you, either on this envelope or in your phone, before we leave, this is part of the the altar call, the invitation today. I want you to pray and I want you to ask God. Maybe there's somebody specific you want to write on the inside of this envelope in the fold. You don't want to share with everybody. This is for you. You're going to take it home. Maybe it's somebody that you can think of at school or in the workplace or a family member or somebody that you know does not have a church home that you've been praying for. or You've maybe even invited in the past. We're going to pray with you for that invite to come alive. I want you to write that person's name very small on the inside of this envelope. I don't want you to do anything with it. I don't want you to tell them that we did this. I don't want you. To, I don't want you to do any of that. I'm not trying to embarrass them or put them in the spotlight. I just want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. God, who could who could I invite? Who could I go find? We don't do this often. It's not just about filling the chairs, but it is just about filling heaven. I'll be honest, and I got this from somebody else, but I thought, man, I'm that way too. Since I have been in ministry, I would do just about anything short of sin if somebody would come and give their heart to Jesus and change their eternity. I would do just about any gimmick that I could think of to get somebody to listen to the gospel and receive Jesus. I'm not saying that you do that, but I am asking you to write their name in this envelope. And for this month, pray for God to send you a person or people that you could share your story with that you could invite and that you could bring in fact I want to pray this prayer as you do that piece of the puzzle you take that with you you don't have to leave don't leave it laying around because then somebody had to pick it up and throw it away take it with you but right where you are I want you to pray this prayer with me because we did have some that really wanted today to make some things right so church if you will just join them in. In this commitment this morning. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short, where I sin, even where I stumble. Save me. Help me to open the invitation to come, follow you, take my life, make it yours. Let me share it with as many people as you put in my path. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, if you believe that they prayed that prayer and God heard it and they just received salvation or recommitted their life and that heaven is celebrating, I want you to stand right where you are and celebrate them with heaven in this place right now. If we just had one, if we just had one every week, we'd have 104 by next year. You are a big deal. You are a big deal. If you have committed or recommitted your life to Jesus since our last baptism service or have not been water baptized, I want to really encourage you to do that. If you haven't signed up for next steps, the first step is today. It's not too late. If you haven't gone through that and you're interested in that, we'll We'll have some people to take care of your babies for a little bit longer. We'll serve you food and them food. We invest in this. We believe in it. But if you've done all those things, then here's what I want to encourage you to leave with today. Invite somebody. Find somebody. Not just to church. That's not, not just to that. Invite someone to join you in the journey through the invitation that you have received to come and follow